Hey, we're in a series of lessons from the book of James, and I want to encourage you, James has only got five chapters, and so really you can sit down for a couple, you know, for 30 minutes or even less, and you can read it, I mean, even spend some time thinking about it. So I, I, I'd encourage you for the next, you know, little while, just every, during your, you know, reading time, uh, read chapter one, read chapter two, and, and kind of get maybe uh, some thoughts about where I might go in the next uh, couple of weeks as we continue a series in James. We're not going to go uh, line by line as we talked about. We're going to take some big themes or some stuff that I really sense God wants us to talk about and really address. And uh, I really think that we're going to grow, we're going to learn, because James is a super, super practical teacher, a super, super uh, uh, practical uh, book, so that it's, he doesn't talk too much, uh, you know, I could say, you know, a pie in the sky, out there, can't kind of grasp the thoughts. We can all grasp the thoughts uh, very well. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about this second, second kind of installment in this, in this series, uh, talking about the book of James, and, and, it's, and, and it, is, it is this. We've got, when you guys doing that, we got like smoke coming on back here. You know that? That's vapor. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the glory cloud coming in. That's vapor right there. Uh, what we're going to talk today about really the, the second installment is, is, is the rich, the rich and the poor. Um, and so already when I said that, you are putting yourself in one of those categories. So before we even begin, let me tell you, you are in one of those categories, everybody in this room, when it comes to the world. And I'm going to tell you which category you're in. You're not in the poor category. You're in the rich category. When it comes to the world, when it comes to the world, um, when it comes to the world, listen to me, an income, an income of $32,800 per year, per year, puts you in the top 1% in the world. 32.8, in the world. Now, now, we live in America, we live in California, and we live in Southern California. And so what goes on in the world, and the percentages, of course, are totally skewed when it comes to what you need to live, and what I need to live, and how we function here in America and in Southern California. But uh, today, I don't want to talk about, you know, where you're at if you're more than 32.8 or you're less than 32.8 or, or you make six figures or you make seven figures or you're on minimum wage or whatever you're at. We're not going to talk about your money, per se, uh, looking at breaking that down. But what I want to do is I want to look at this topic because James has got a lot to say about the rich and the poor from a godly perspective. And I just want us to think Bible Think Bible. Think the Word. Can we do that? Come on. So, so, so I, I know we'll, we'll talk about, you know, at least once a year we do a series of lessons on, on finances and stewardship and things like that, money management. And, and so we'll, we'll, I'm just going to weave a couple thoughts in here uh, along that line today. But really, I want us all just to think Bible. So whether you put yourself, even before I began talking, in the rich or the poor category, let's just think for the next 35, 40 minutes in line with the Bible. And I believe if you do, you're going to take a further step in your journey and you're going to understand where you're at and where God's at and where you are in this grand scheme of things of Christianity and the world and, what, and, the, and really the thought process that God wants you to have when you look at and you consider yourself and you look at other people, let it be filtered 
through this. I'm going to look at James chapter 1. We're going to look at three passages from James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible there, check out with me James 1, 9 through 11. Let's start there. Let the lowly brother in glory, he says glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 1. Read nine verses with me there. My brethren, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Verse 4, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom which, which he has promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you're called? That was part of the culture of the day. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. And you are convicted by the law as transgressors. James 2, 15 and 16 if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? James has a lot to say, and there's actually a couple more passages in James concerning this, but I just thought it was just too much overkill for us to digest. But it's enough to get us thinking about the rich and the poor from a biblical perspective. Not necessarily even looking at our own life, but which we will, but looking at it from a biblical perspective. What is God's heart towards the uh, people that we might consider rich? And what's God's heart towards people we might consider or and or are, 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 are poor? Uh, just right off the bat, look on the screen. i got a couple thoughts for us to, as we kind of laid the groundwork today. Is that James is showing us the eternal perspective regarding poverty and riches. You can't miss this because James is showing us an eternal perspective. James isn't just showing us a natural perspective. He's not just talking about money. He's not just talking about mortgages. He's not talking about the here and now. He's talking about the there and then. He's not just speaking directly about what you need right now. He does address that, but he's always going to draw our attention to heaven, not just on the earth. And, and when we look at riches and we look at wealth, we can't help but think about now. The mortgage, the rent, the kids, the utilities, the car payment, the food, the gas, the, the, the pain for education for your kids or whatever it can be. You can't help but, and you're required to think about that. 
But James is taking our eyes off of here and he's lifting our eyes up towards heaven. And so when it comes to riches, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to having and having not sometimes, we have to look at our lives through the eternal perspective and that's what James is saying. He's also showing us, number two, the distinction between which is perishable and which is permanent. He's taking our eyes off of which is perishable and which is permanent. There's something and there's something you can do that will bring eternal riches in your life. James is drawing our attention away from what is going to be here today and gone tomorrow, but what is going to draw us and, and have a, attention and focus in our life, not just for what we need, not just for here and now, but also for, for eternity. So James is really telling us that if we pursue worldly wealth, if we pursue happiness, if we just pursue everything that is going to try to make us feel good about ourselves, we're going to miss the benefit. We're going to miss the, 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 the focus of why we're here and why God entrusts us with resources and why God then, as we see a parable, and you can't read Matthew 25, I believe the parable is, and, 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 and come away with any other conclusion but that where God gives to one person one talent. The talent was money. The talent wasn't singing, administrating, teaching, leading, being a doctor, a lawyer. The talent was money and is money. He gave one one. He gave another two. He gave another five. He did. So when you came into this earth, you might have been born to certain parents that gave you certain uh, um, uh, rights or certain uh, maybe, maybe a, um, a head start that other people didn't get. We, we all know that. We, we all didn't come with the same equality. It's just life. And that's exactly what God says. I gave this person one, this person two, this person five. And I, the person that has five can't boast that they did this of their own. No, God just gave that person a five-talent ability. And the person that has one isn't to be looked down, isn't to be sneered at. God gave them one. Now, the key that we find from that parable is that it can increase and multiply. Thank God for that. Amen, everybody? So if you look in your life and you say, I'm just stuck here, I'm never going to be able to move, I'm never going to be able to get out, or if, you, if you're the five-talent person and you look back to say, well, tough luck on you, that's just you. No, 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 the one that's down can always increase, and the one that's up can always increase, but can always, always help someone that's going a little lower than them. It's always that way, concerning your heart and your attention to what God wants to do in your life. I, I, I think from these... Uh, uh, you know, three portions of Scripture, we can see several things. Look on the screen, I got them for you. Number one, God is very concerned about the poor. You cannot overlook that. He's very concerned about the poor. He's concerned about the poor in Africa. You know, we got a, a Jim, Jim Gwynn's in Africa right now. He sent me this great text of tons of people getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and healed and all kind of stuff going on. He's, he took a, I don't know, a day and a half flight over there, preaching the gospel with some guys, and, and people just poor. Everything you have is in a bag and on your back. Come on, somebody. Just poor. God is very concerned about the poor. God's concerned in San Diego about, about the homeless. Come on, how many of you know we got a homeless situation up in here? Uh, with, with all kinds of nuances of why and all kinds of issues of, uh, of you know, uh, uh, just the, the, the medical side, the addiction side, the, the, the not right in your mind side, and all kinds of things that we can point fingers at, but we still have to have a heart for the poor because here's what it says. God's very concerned. And since he's concerned, 
We got to be concerned. You should too. Amen. If God is concerned about the poor, then you need to be concerned about the poor. I need to be concerned about the poor. These scriptures also tell us that God condemns the rich. God condemns the rich that take advantage of the poor. He condemns the rich that take advantage of the poor. And this is nothing new. Since the beginning of time, people have taken advantage of the poor, the needy, the hurting. Whether it's been through labor, whether it's been through exploitation, whether it's human trafficking right now, taking advantage of the poor. The fourth thing we can see from this is that God is not against the rich. He's not against the rich. And so, I want, again, I want you to put yourself, and you are, as far as the world concerned is concerned, you are in the category of the rich. God is not against the rich. But what we find from this scripture is that James explicitly warns us against what he calls and what we could actually call foolish faith. In other words, loving the haves and despising the haves-nots. Those that come in and, oh, you got the ring on. Oh, you drove up with a new car. Oh, oh, you look like you, you, look like you got some money. So, so come sit up here. And, oh, um, uh, you got old clothes on. Oh, you kind of smell. You don't look like us. So you sit back in the back. And don't even sit, stand in the back. Or sit here at my feet. Underneath me, he says. And James comes against all of that. So one thing I love about our church is that we're a church that is multiracial, multiethnic, multigenerational, and multi in every spectrum of the money scheme. Come on, somebody say amen. And we've got people, I'm sure, in here that have more money than you would maybe even think about. And we've got people in here that are probably on a situation that, wow, it's just tough. And so the, the, the Bible's really clear. We can't treat one another different based on our economic status. And we can't treat the world based on their economic status. We are required to love everybody always. Can I get a good amen up in here? Again, just Bible stuff for us to understand because, you know, maybe I don't know exactly where all of us have come from in, in, in church world and, 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 and raising up. And, and yet we see this in the Bible that there was wealthy men, many, many wealthy men. Again, it's uh, generally men because the Bible's written from a man's standpoint, but there were wealthy women in Scripture, but many wealthy men that followed God. We've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were wealthy. The Scripture tells about it. Joseph was wealthy. We see that Job was wealthy. God restored him double at the end. He was wealthy. He had camels. He had maidservants. He had all kinds of animals, and that meant that that brother was wealthy. David was wealthy. Of course, Solomon was the wealthiest man in the world. Now, we know some of them. Their wealth took them away. Solomon, his his wealth and love for other crazy women took him away from God. But you cannot disdain the fact that God allowed them to have wealth and the wealth and the resources and being rich wasn't just for themselves, but it was also to aid society and help them be a blessing to other people. So what God comes against, listen, what God comes against is self-reliance, self-reliance. 
is that I'm rich or I have resources and this is for me and this is for nobody else. This is just for me. And so when it comes again to our culture, when it comes again to here we are in San Diego County in Southern California and, and we've got you know high prices and we've got all this stuff, but we still have to be concerned for the poor and we still have to understand that we don't make anything by ourselves. Everything we have comes from God. Can you say amen? amen. Now, uh, again, just kind of letting the, setting the playing field here so that we can uh, kind of see what James is saying to us again from a biblical perspective, not just from James, but the totality of the Bible is that James is not saying, listen, James is not saying the poor are spiritual and the wealthy are damned. That's not what he's saying. And, and you can read certain scriptures and you can come away with a certain scripture and just kind of parachute down and take a scripture and, and, and read it and, and where, where, where it seems like God's against the rich, like, like even what we've read here in James. And I've heard people preach, yeah, you know, you know, you follow that money. You, uh, come on, you can't love money and you can't love God, which is, which is true. You can't love money and love God. You got to love God because money will draw you away. But the love of money is the root of all evil, the love of it. So you don't have to love it to have it. You can have it and not love it. You can have it and then not have you. Is that right, everybody? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so James is not saying if you're poor, that means you're spiritual because you don't have anything. And so be a monk, live in a cave, sell everything, just be by yourself. Don't have any worldly possessions. Be all by yourself. Don't ever have anything nice. Don't, don't ever buy anything for people you love. Just, just make it through life because the, the, the poor are spiritual and the wealthy are damned. They're away from God. That is not what it's saying at all. Not what it's saying. So what is James saying? What is he saying? Come on, let's spend some time looking at this. Here it is. Number one, the poor or those in need, James says, can boast in their high position or status with God. That's what he tells us in James 1. They can boast in their high position and status in God. What that means is not just uh, based on being poor, but based on the reliance of God as Savior. What we find that James is saying is that it's, it, it seems like, and James is saying this truthfully, and we can see this all throughout the scripture, when you're poor and you're hurting and you're need and you're needy, it is generally those people that say, I need God. <laughs> I'm done. I need some help. You know, I, I, I need a hand up. God, you got to help me get out of this. And when you are poor in spirit, you are poor emotionally, you are poor resourcefully, you are poor in relationships, that is when people cry out to God. And that is cool. That is amazing. James says the poor can boast that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. He's my God. Regardless of what I'm going through right now, I have found him to be the Lord of my life. Amen, everybody? So James says this. Every person who trusts in Jesus enters his spiritual wealth as a believer. That's what he says. You can boast now. I know Jesus. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm chosen. I'm called. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to homeless people who just flat out know the Bible. They know the word. They know the word. So many of them know the word. They were raised in church or they know the word. And I'm, I, there's all kinds of things I can't figure out and you can't figure out. But let me tell you what. They can say I am poor, maybe economically, but I am rich spiritually. I know Jesus. 
So at the end of the day, listen, if everything is stripped from you, you have a spiritual inheritance in Christ. Can I get some amen up in here this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he's saying is that everything's yours right now, James. James says, hey, poor people, everything's yours right now. You're in Christ. You're heirs of God. You're joint heirs with him. You're a child of God. Heaven's your home. It, it doesn't look great right now, but, but you need to look up because there's a day coming when, when every wrong is going to be made right. So James, again, shifts our eyes off of the now, off of the natural, and on to the spiritual. It's just not about the house and the car and the money and the bank and the food and the clothes and the Netflix and the fun and the vacations. It's not all about that because one day it's all going to be gone. He takes us off the temporal and he makes us look at the eternal. So if you this morning, even though I have already told you, you are rich as far as the world's concerned, the world population, but I get it. We live here, we're here, and if you, and I'm, I'm back and forth on this, so understand me, where, where you say no, but, but I'm really struggling right now. I'm, okay, I'm not, dis, I'm not disdaining that. I believe that. You say it, I believe it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to you know, tell you you're lying, or you, you believe it, which you could be. So what James says is get your eyes off the natural and put your eyes on the eternal. I will be provided for I will be cared for. God's my father. He's going to take care of me here. But even if I don't see everything I thought I was going to see here, glory to God, eternity is a long time. And I will be forever cared for by God. Can you say amen, everybody? Now, this really isn't a North American message. But if we were preaching it in Africa, they'd be shouting up and down maybe, huh? The second thing we see that James says in these three passages is this. The rich can glory in their humiliation, realizing, again, wealth and life is temporary. The rich can glory in their humiliation. So James says, the poor can glory and boast that, man, my status with God, but then the rich that have surrendered their life to, to, to Jesus Christ can glory that now God is requiring me, North American, Spectrum Church, rich folk, everybody in the room I'm talking to, that now God says, I want you to humble yourself concerning the resources that I blessed you with. The poor man can say, I've been forgotten by God. James is saying, the rich man can say, I don't need God. Both assumptions are wrong. Both assumptions. Someone said this when the... Uh, when the game's over, the king and the pawn go back into the same box. Uh, this spring, up, you know, hour north, hour and a half north, or hour and 15 minutes north up in Lake Elsinore, we had this thing called Super Bloom. Remember? Some of y'all probably went up there. The LA Times headlines said this in April 8, 2019. The super bloom of Lake Elsinore died this past week. It was six weeks old. Uh, the, the supernatural heat that came, the supernatural rain that came in the, in, in the fall, in the winter, and then the early spring, it, it saturated the ground, and there were seeds that lay dormant for years, they said. 
and all of a sudden, we saw it bloomed, and there was upwards of 100,000 people a day trying to go up to Lake Elsinore and go through the, you know, the mountains and take pictures with the poppies and all that. And James is saying this. We read it. James says, the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. Remember that? The rich man will fade away. Here it is. You're a beautiful poppy. Here you are. Six weeks. And you're done. And you're 75 and you're 80 and you're done. And hopefully 90. But it's over. So James says, you can't. Think about your life and your resources and riches and wealth with a, with a, with a worldly perspective because it's here and it's gone. And, and so I, I, I like what, this, what that scripture says. The rich man will, will, will fade away in his pursuits. His pursuits. Come on, say his pursuits. His pursuits. I, I, listen to me. Your life and concerning your resources doesn't have to be just his, hers, yours. It can also be his, God's. So your riches can have an eternal effect. They can have a natural lineage that you bless your family and you leave, you leave an inheritance to your children's children. But, but then also you can have eternal wealth when you take a portion of your income and you serve God and you honor God with it as well. So that we can have a natural legacy that we leave to our children and to our grandchildren. And we can leave resources. And, and I think there's people in here, you can leave resources in your will. And we're going to do that in our trust and be able to leave a portion of our money to... to uh, the church when we die. And I think you should too. Because let me tell you what, when you die and your kids get it, they ain't going to give nothing. They're going to spend it all. You've saved all your life and they're going to buy a boat and they're going to buy an RV. And there you go, right there. So there's some free advice for you right there. Look what it says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Jeremiah 9, 23. This is what the Lord says. No, it's the Lord. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. Wow, that's a pretty interesting line. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. I delight in these things. I, I the Lord, have spoken. So don't boast in what you got. Don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your power. Don't boast in your riches. Boast in this alone. Really, he says that you understand and you know God. Come on, everybody. So it's not about your stuff. It's not about your toys like the bumper sticker says. He that has the most toys wins. No, no, wrong thought, wrong thought. And, and the goofy bumper stickers, I'm spending all my kids, grand, you know, all my grandkids' inheritance. Wrong, goofy, goofy thought, unbiblical thought. What I have, I manage. What I have, I use. What I have, I give. Leviticus 23, look at this now. Leviticus 23, 22. This is the law, Old Testament law. We're not under the law, but we can still look at some of the principles and apply them to our life. Look what it says. When you harvest the crops of your land, all of them were, you know, ranchers, and they had, they had fruit fields, and they had vineyards. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. And do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. You have a, you have a field, you have, you have your 10-acre plot, and you had your, your, your workers or your family, and you come out, 
and you start gathering. Anything that falls, leave it. Anything that falls, leave it. Anything that falls, leave it. And when you get together and you, and you start you know, shaking the, the sheaves and, you, and the seeds come out, and if there's seeds on the ground, leave it. If there's some grapes that are left from the vineyard, leave it. Leave it. Anything that falls, anything that's there, leave it. And the corners of the field don't harvest to the very end. Leave some for the poor. Leave some for the foreigners. I, I, I've read this for years, and I'm, I'm convinced that God's concern for the poor, God's concern for the foreigner, God's concern for those that are coming legally, legally, into our country, that we can help, that we can help. But the overriding principle we can pick up from the Scripture in the Old Testament is this. Notice on the screen. You need margin the corners in your budget, in your finances, in your money management for the church and for others. You don't harvest everything in your life to the very edge of your financial field. You leave margin that I can tithe, I can give, I can give to the poor, regardless of my current income status. Because we all have a field. Some of our fields are a quarter acre. Some are 400 acres. Because God's given you and I different ability. I'm convinced that most of us in this room, most of us, not all, most of us, have what we would call in America, that's crazy as far as the world is concerned, we have discretionary income. We have income that doesn't have a name called rent, mortgage, car, utilities. It doesn't have a name. It's called, I can go to the movies. I can go out to eat. I can take vacations. It's discretionary. Most of the world does not have that, but you and I do. And most of us take even our discretionary income and we come up to the very edge of our field and we spend everything. And God says, I have made you rich, but you're living like you're poor. And God wants us to change the way we think and not use everything that he's given us with and given to us for our own, for our own benefit. Uh, Proverbs 22.9, you know the scripture, maybe you don't know the reference, but you know the scripture. It says this, he that has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. He that has a generous eye will be blessed. Again, you know he's not talking about your physical eye, your blue eye, brown eye, or black eye, or whatever kind of eye you got. He's talking about how you see, what, where, where it's coming from. From the scripture, we can see several things. Uh, you know, how you see is important. How you see is important, we can see, number one. But what you do for others is really more important. That, that, that's what we really need to see. How, how you see is important. You know, that I, I can see a problem. I, I, I can see a situation. I, I, I have resources. I, I see that child. I see that 
that person. I see that missionary. I, I, I'm in church. I, I, know, I know what you say, Lord. And, uh, but, but now it's not just how I see it. It's what I do with it that's more important. And, and what we see from this scripture is that generosity has nothing to do with the amount. It has nothing to do with the amount. Generosity is an attitude that begins in the heart. It hasn't got anything to do with the amount. It hasn't got anything to do if I got, a, if I got one less zero or two less zeros on what you've got. Whatever it is, is that I've got a generous heart because I've got a generous eye. How I see is coming from what's on the inside of me. So I've got to change how I look at me. I've got to change how I see my current situations. I've got to change how I have an eternal perspective, not just a natural perspective. It's not just about the here and now. It's about what's going to be going on for eternity. That James actually says there will be a crown of life given to you and I when we handle resources according to the scripture. A heart that's willing will eventually open a hand that's closed. A heart that's willing will eventually open a hand that's closed. God always wants to work on your and my heart. Um, let me just kind of wind down here for the next you know, couple minutes and, and talk to you really about a couple of stories that we find in, in the book of Luke. I think it's really interesting that Luke 18 and 19 tell two stories of two rich men, but they've got two different scenarios that happen after an encounter with Jesus. Luke 18 is the first one. Uh, there's a guy that's called the rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus talking to him about eternal life, talking to him about, about some phenomenal things, that, that he's got a heart for God, and he wants to know about how he can be saved and how he can, you know, find God and, and all this. And we know that he was rich, young, and a ruler, so he had money, he had time, and he had power. That, that's a pretty amazing trio right there. And so he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, obey the commands. He says, I've done all those. And, and, and Jesus says, check us out in Luke 18. Look on the screen real quick. Jesus said, oh, but there, there's still one thing you're missing in your life. What's that, the man said. Jesus says, you must go and sell everything you own. Uh-oh. <laughs> and give all the proceeds to the poor so you'll have eternal treasures. That's exactly what James is saying. Give all the way to the poor. Give it all the way to the poor so you'll have eternal treasures. Then come follow me. When the rich leader heard these words, he was devastated, for he was extremely wealthy. He was devastated. Now, uh, the rich young ruler, uh, we've said this before, but I'm always reminded of this. The rich young ruler really thought that everything that came to him was for him. Uh, he thought everything that came to him was for him. And that's not what it was. That, that's, that, that's not the purpose. Everything that comes to you isn't for you. You need to leave margin in your life for God, for church, for tithing, for honoring, for the poor. You need to leave margin in your life. Wow. He had treasures on earth, and Jesus wants him to have treasures in heaven. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you're going to have eternal treasure. You're going to treasure in heaven. Uh, I, I really believe this, is that Jesus wanted this guy to experience a higher calling than money. He really wanted him for a higher calling than money. He wanted him to be in ministry. It was ministry. That was the call for this guy. That was the, the high call. The high call wasn't about money. He wanted something more than money. And maybe we're chasing the wrong thing. Just chasing the wrong thing. 
I'm, I'm convinced when it comes to all of us, me included, something I have to regularly keep a handle on is that I have to make my money obey God. Let me, let me encourage you. Make your money obey God. I'm not going to let money tell me what I can and cannot do, who I can give to, who I can't. I'm not going to let my paycheck tell me I cannot tithe. I cannot support the poor. I cannot give to missions. I cannot. I'm not going to let it talk to me. I'm going to make it obey. Money will not be my Lord. I am going to lord over my money. We have to do this, guys. We have to look at the scripture and say, I know I'm in Southern California, and I know high, and I know all that, but God will make a way. That's where your faith in God comes in. I am going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to spend to the, to the very corners of my life. I'm going to leave margin in my life. I'm going to leave stuff in my life for the poor, for the church, for the kingdom of God, for tithing, for doing everything that I can do. I am going to be generous. I've got a generous eye. I'm going to let it touch my heart, and I'm going to let it open my hand. I'm not going to be closed-fisted. I'm going to be generous. It doesn't mean that every person with a sign on the side of the road, forgive me, but every person on the side of the road, I do not have to give to them. But my eye will be generous. My heart will be generous. I'm going to let God lead me. I'm going to let him guide me. I'm going to let him direct me. And I believe God's going to be honored with your life. Come on, somebody help me up in here this morning. This guy didn't get it. He didn't get it. He was devastated because <laughs> he was extremely, extremely wealthy. Uh, but in chapter 19, there's another guy. His name is Zacchaeus. Y'all know Zacchaeus. We sing about him in on, children's church, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? And then he heard about Jesus coming into town. And, and, and so Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus climbs up a tree and he wants to see Jesus. We don't even know if he ever saw Jesus before. Evidently not. But he heard about Jesus. So he climbs up a tree wanting to see Jesus. And the Bible says when Jesus came by to pass by, he looked up at that tree and he said, hey, Zach, come on down. I need to go to your house today. And the Bible says all the religious people, they were totally upset. Jesus didn't come to their house that day, but he came to Zacchaeus' house. And the encounter is crazy because check it out on the screen. In Luke 19, here's the encounter. As Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, it says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. And check out what Zacchaeus says. I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that and those who are lost. Uh, I, I mean, crazy, crazy to me. Just the chapter. I mean, I love how the Bible puts this together. Chapter 18, we got a rich young ruler, and he, he, wants, he wants more of God. He's got a heart for God, but he can't let go of stuff. And God wanted ministry for him. Jesus wanted a, the, the, this ministry track for his life. And, and, and I'm not saying God's asking you, and I don't think God's asking very many people, sell every single thing. I don't know that he's telling too many people that. I know he has told people that, and I appreciate that. But that's not the same word God's going to give each and every one of us. That's a God word for them. You need to get your own word. Amen, everybody? 
But we do have God's word. We all have the same Bible that says and tells us certain principles. And we need to adhere to that so that God can work in our life in a way that maybe he hasn't up until now. So maybe for you it's tithing. Maybe for you there's the next step, giving offerings above your tithe. Maybe, maybe you do that. Maybe you need to look for a missionary to support on a monthly basis. Maybe you need to get involved in, in feeding and homeless and doing other things around. Where again, it's not just doing something, it's also giving of your resources. Because I've heard people say, well, you know, I tithe my time. You just can't find that in Scripture. Sounds cute, but it just isn't in Scripture. What we find from these two accounts is that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Zacchaeus went away saved. Zacchaeus was delivered from a love of money. What I stole, what I took, what I cheated. Again, I'm going to do something. Two guys meet the same Jesus and have two totally different responses. I know, I think you know, Jesus never changes. He was the same with the rich young ruler as he was Zacchaeus. Same presence, same love, same compassion, same word, same heart, same attention. He was the same. He had a different word. We don't know the word that he spoke to Zacchaeus. Not one word that Jesus said is recorded other than what he did after he told him what Zacchaeus said, I'm going to do. Jesus said, salvation has come to the house today. We don't know Jesus preached to him. We don't know what he said. But his life was changed because he encountered Jesus. But the response from the rich young ruler and the response from Zacchaeus was totally different. So let me ask you a question really in conclusion today. What's your response going to be? Are you going to be the rich young ruler? And you're going to harvest the edge of your field and say, it's all mine. Well, like another account that we've got in the Bible where a man was wealthy, an owner, and he said, what am I going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns. I am going to build bigger barns for all my stuff. My four-car garage just ain't big enough. So I'm going to build the four-car plus add two. Because, you know, I got stuff. And I'm just telling me, I got three-car garage. I got stuff in a third-car garage of furniture when we sold our house that ain't in the house I'm in. It's been sitting in there for two years. And when I go out there, I look and go, dear God, what am I doing? Well, you know, put that stuff on, offer up. Put that stuff on Craigslist. I'm not real good with that. I just need to give it away. I'm not real good at selling stuff, personally. That's why we've just given cars away. I'm not real good at nickel and diamond. I don't do good at the swap meet, because if a guy says, hey, I need $50 and it's worth five, I give him 50. That's just me, I just, I just. So I don't go to the swap meet or else I get taken advantage of. <laughs> Some of y'all are real good at that. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with this? What are you gonna do with the rich and the poor? You, you, you're in the rich side. You are. 
I need you to think that. You need to think that. I need to think management. I need to think budgeting. I need, I need to think that. I need to think that as far as the world goes. Now, I know. Again, one more. I know. Southern California. I know. Chula Vista, San Diego. I know. I know. I know. But you still have resources, and you still have things that other people don't. So here's the hard word. Hope you come back next week. Next week will be better than this week. Hard word. Look on the screen. Jesus not only wants your word that you love him, but the proof of your wallet that you love him. And that's hard for so many. I, I, I personally, listen, my testimony, I, I, I've never struggled with it. I'm raised in a family, mom, dad, grandparents, just generous, 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 brothers, generous. Family generous. Never had a problem with it. But maybe you weren't. Maybe your maybe you're growing up was different. You, you had to claw and scratch for every single thing that you've had. And so there's something in you that was set, would say, if I give it, I'm never going to get it back again. But that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says this, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and the Lord will repay you your good deed. You can never give and it not be given back to you. Luke 6. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give to you for the way you pour out? Well, how it will be poured back into you? Guys, gals, old, young, rich, this is a fixed deal. God says, I'm going to take care of you. But just don't have your eyes on the natural. Have your eyes on the eternal. And if you think you're under right now, and if you think that you are the poor right now, and if you think that it's not going to get any better right now, God says, in that humiliation, realize that you have eternal riches eternal riches and there are things on this earth that I can't figure out and you can't figure out but I do know this God and we'll talk about this next week God is good to all amen everybody come on bow your head close your eyes if you do that you listened real good tough message today Lord thank you for this series in James thank you for that we can have a heart to hear a heart that's open my heart my life as well Father, as we're looking at this series, this is a tough word. As we look at the rich and we look at the poor and we look at situations in our own life. And Father, I just pray that we would have a heart that would be open, a heart that would be concerned, and a heart and a hand that would be activated. Father, I pray that we would all deal with impartiality, that we would not try to cozy up to the haves and avoid the have-nots. Because you said that violates the royal law of love. Father, I pray if we have within our own resources things to help those in the body of Christ, first and foremost, that's what you told us, our family and those in the body of Christ, that we would be freely given 
to release and be a blessing as so many in our church constantly do. Father, I pray for my life and us as well that we would not just be the flower that blooms for six weeks. You told us life is short. It's but a vapor. But we don't want to fade away in what we're pursuing. We want to leave a legacy, not only for our family, but for eternity. And you've told us over and over in Scripture that as we give, there'll be a memorial in heaven of prayer and giving that's gone on before us. It's remembered forever and ever. So help us seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. We thank you for adding everything that we need. I pray for every person's need in the room today. I pray, oh God, that you direct them and lead them and guide them concerning the resources they currently have. And if there's gaps and we don't know what we're going to do, Father, I pray their faith would be increased and you'd make a way. You'd make a way. You'd make a way. But that we wouldn't live on needing a miracle every month because that's not what you enjoy. You'll provide, but you want to give us wisdom. That's what James tells us. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Help us, oh God. We lack wisdom, some of us, with money, with resources. We're just not thinking right. So help us think right. Help us Think Bible. Come on, with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I don't know if there's anyone in the room today that doesn't know Jesus or not. A tough message. Thanks for being with us. If you're a guest, wow. We're just so glad that you're here with us. A message, really, hope you got something from it right there while your head's bowed. But really, the message is, gen is really for the people in the church here concerning where we're at and what God wants us to do individually with the church and, and tithing and the poor around, but uh, and I know you can apply that to your life as well. But here this morning, right there with your head bowed and your eyes closed, the question would be an eternal question, not just a natural question, not an earthly question.